Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another edition of Technology Expresso Cafe Radio. Dave and Jacqueline bring you up close and personal to the innovators, contributors, and creative minds in and around technology today. Visit our website portal at www.technologyexpresso.com. There you will find a full list of our broadcasts from all across the technology spectrum, our social media handles, and related content. So sit back with Dave and Jacqueline as they serve up Technology Expresso, fast, hot, and intense. Hello, and we're here one year later. This is Jacqueline Sanders, Vice President of Technology Expresso, here with Coop on Ask the Analyst, the one-year edition. Hey, Coop. I know. Happy anniversary, Jacqueline. I know. Uh, we made it. <laughs> we probably need a therapy, but we, we, we made it. We made it through our We've had our ups and downs, mostly ups, though. Yeah. yeah. And, and most of the downs is technology. Right. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we, we have our, our bloopers. I'm sure we could fill a blooper reel here. But, no, it's been really exciting um, and, you know, engaging. And I feel like I, I've grown from our conversation. Absolutely. And uh, it's just been a thrill, just, you know, being interactive and having people call in and that type of thing. And uh, so, um, yeah, it's been a great one year. And so um, hello to all of our listeners and followers. Um, we have set up, we're going to have some people who are going to join us, some that have been previously on the show, some first-timers. I know, I'm excited. <laughs> and so we're going to do a recap, look at what were we talking about a year ago, and as well as what our predictions are for 2017. And we want, and we've got another caller who's joined us, wants to say hello to area code 412 and 724. We're going to be speaking with them shortly and the exciting part is we're going to give you our predictions, but tell us if you agree, disagree, that's perfectly fine. <laughs> yeah, actually, we want to know, or at least I do. I don't know, Jack, if you feel the same way. <laughs> I love a good debate, you know, um, and I think the way we learn from each other is by challenging each other and pushing each other. And I think that's what we've done over the last year, the two of us, how we've had conversations and people have joined in. Um, and hopefully, you know, I've gotten good feedback from some, some of our uh, – consistent listeners out there and saying how much they've enjoyed the show and this format. So uh, I'm just glad uh, that we can continue it and looking forward to another great year. Absolutely. Because as I mentioned, it's like I've grown from this too. It's, it's great to have the conversation. And, you know, the one thing about the field we're in, it's forever changing. Absolutely. What was true last year may not be true this year. So it's not about right or wrong. It's like, okay, Learn that. Right. Yeah. Okay. What's What's next? How do you push yourself and keep growing? Absolutely. Absolutely. So this is our world. So you know, you know, fair enough. We we've got people who are here at the top of the hour to to hopefully talk to us and to uh, share with us. So I'm gonna go to the line. Okay. Perfect. There. That's a great way to start. Right. <laughs> and I'm gonna start with area code four one two. Hello there, four one two. I'm Pam. You're now on the air. Oh, am I, Jacqueline? <laughs> I'm prepared for this. 
<laughs> you are fine. <laughs> so, I am. Go ahead. No, you go. I was just going to share with you the type of work we're doing here in 412. Um, I, there's a couple of us. Is 412 is it not just an area code, it's an attitude? That, uh, <laughs> oh, it's an attitude is right. It's exactly yeah. it. It's a it's a Pittsburgh attitude. It's a state of mind. It is a state of mind, <laughs> definitely. I have a couple of us here. We are. Um, oh, okay, yeah. I heard other voices. I thought you were a ventriloquist or something, Pam, and had multiple voices. But no, who else do you have with you? I have Lisa, and I also have. Hello. Yeah, I know. And I also have Rick. I think he's out there, Rick. We are all working in a quality assurance area, looking at people's deliverables and, and learning a lot about what's going on inside of we're, – we're in the banking industry. Um, in, in our findings, we're finding that – and Coop and I had a conversation about this earlier. A lot of packages are being purchased inside of – in the banking world and just trying to understand how the requirements are written – from a banking from a, from a requirement, I mean, from a um, package perspective, excuse me, like how uh, talking more about a big discovery here was the fact that there are this new requirement called transition requirements, and and we're doing a lot of a lot of educating people in terms of what is a business requirement versus a transition requirement. So a lot of the this this is these are the conversations occurring here. Yeah, and, no, and, that, and that's. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to comment, Pam, that um, I was talking to somebody the other day, and I, I apologize for forgetting who it was, but he was saying that a lot of people think non functional requirements are the ones that get missed most. But I think, in his opinion, and it's mine too, and obviously you guys are saying this, that the transition requirements are the ones that often get, get missed. Um, so, how do we actually, once we have the package and we're ready to kind of turn it on. How do we make sure that people are trained, that uh, everybody's ready for this change and can accept this change and the new processes? And so that's good. I'm glad you guys are, are focusing on that. Yeah. But, and too, though, I mean, a good point. Non-functionals, too, are another area that people have a lot of difficulty with. Mm-hmm. It's what yep. is in our experience. Absolutely. And, and what I want to add to that is, uh, like you said, it, and it's very interesting getting the different perspective from different industries. That's one of the things that we talked about is there's not one way. It, different industries vary, and then I've seen it within different organizations that go through the trend, whether it's buying package or doing in-house. and Sometimes they, they flip-flop back and forth, um, but one of the things is, is that there's still some of those key components, those core components that are true to either of those methods, and that's where the business analysis and the transferable skills, um, you just apply them in different ways. And that's where, you know, something we've always talked about, the critical thinking, uh, people um, sometimes want to just have this step-by-step, okay, do A, B, C, and D, and we kind of talked about this a little bit. Right. And there's even a portion, and, and what I'm seeing, and I can tie this to what I'm seeing, that the classroom has to go beyond just uh, training and prescriptive to kind of these workshop type atmosphere because you show them and then you kind of let them get in the lab and, you know, fill it out because they're going to be on the ground having to make 
some decisions and do, you know, make some critical analysis and come to their own decisions about which one to use at what time. Right. Yeah. No, and you know, that was something we talked a lot about, uh, on our show a year ago, and I'm sure we talked about it throughout the year, but a year, we talked a lot about critical thinking as being kind of that key skill or that overarching skill that analysts need to, to be successful because every project is a little different. Um, even if you're working on a, um, package software A and package software B, that the people you're dealing with, the project um, risks and timelines, every all that is different. So you can't do a prescribed process for everything you do day in, day out. And I wonder, Pam, to that point, so with Pam and Lisa and Rick um, in Pittsburgh, and, and I got to say, I'm a little upset about Pittsburgh right now because I'm a New York Giants fan. So you guys kind of put a whooping on us uh, <laughs> last weekend, um, but let's not bring that up. Um, so, but the, the critical thinking aspect of, of stuff around the package software, and you guys are, are in this QA role of kind of reviewing deliverables and processes and stuff. Are you seeing that teams are adapting um, their process to the needs of the project? Huh. Very good. I mean, good, good question. Um, I think there is, I think we, there needs to be a better understanding of what the process is. I think there is, um, I, well, here's, I mean, that's a really good question. Coop. Jacqueline is the primary interviewer, so. Yes. Thank you, Jacqueline. That was, Yes. <laughs> That was a great question to throw out to us. Rick, are you on too? Do you have any comments about that? I don't think we have Rick. Another four one two? He's try he was trying to get on as well. He's a coworker who's working from home today. Um oh. and, and, and yeah. one of the things I'll remind those who have joined the call. You may have dialed into the seven one four eight 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 seven five oh six. Press one, and that allows us to see your number in our calling queue. So that may be, uh, and what will happen is once we see you in our queue, we can go ahead and open up your microphone. So right now we don't have another 212 on with us. No, 412. I mean, yeah. So we'll just give him a minute or two, and maybe if you just uh, press one, and we'll be able to see him in our queue. Oh, he's listening. He's on the internet. He's listening on the internet somehow. That's where he's communicating back to me. Let me see. I okay. just opened up another line. I have another four one two. Hello. Hey Pam. Rick. Hi Jacqueline. Hi Pam. Hi Rick. Welcome to the show. Thank what you. Is- hey Coop. How are you? Good, Rick. How you doing? I'm good. Um, yeah, I. So Jacqueline, I'm. Um, your question about um, critical thinking, right? Yes. Yeah. And are, are we working with folks that have been able to apply that? Is that basically what you were asking? Yeah, yeah. I was asking, you know, the, the reviews that you guys are doing and quality checks that you're mm-hmm. doing, you seeing that people, because, um, you know, Jacqueline and I have talked about in the past, and I'm sure you guys have as well, uh, around critical thinking and adapting a process and an approach um, that makes sense for the project, not just doing a prescribed process. So have you, 
in part in your work are you seeing i don't know if you're able to see based on how you guys do your reviews if you can kind of see that i was just trying to get a sense of are you seeing people adapting rather than prescribing well you know it's it's an interesting um situation i think that we find ourselves in um because as you probably are aware um in in the banking industry it's this is the case with many industries it's very highly regulated and so uh, what we're trying to figure out is uh, a a balance between what the regulators are asking us to do and what uh, what makes sense for the business and i quite honestly think we're we're sorting that out we're i think we're getting there we're making some strides and uh the, you know i think that that the uh the, the end users of our process the the people who we're assessing we're i think uh, in a way we're, we're we're trying to be collaborative with them uh trying to understand the perspective that they're coming from and uh working with within all of the requirements that they have being put upon them uh to uh to come to a happy medium uh so you know that i don't know if they actually have the ability to execute critical thinking yet because i think we're we're kind of uh evolving our uh quality assurance process a little bit but i i'm confident that given what we have uh experienced with the project managers that they will be able to do that because we've had very good uh feedback with the project managers we've had really good success i think with the program uh just in general because it's pretty new what we're trying to do it's about six months old no that's great and i think the the fact that you guys you guys are critically thinking by saying okay what do the regulators uh, want or need and what makes sense for the business and how do we kind of fit rather than just saying oh we're only going to do what the business wants or we're only going to do what the regulators say we need Yep. Um, it's finding that right balance. So awesome. Thank you guys for calling in. We're going to, I know we have some other callers and have some other topics to get to. So thank you. Big thanks to, to Rick, Pam, and Lisa, all the way from Pittsburgh. And go Giants. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and, and hang on in on, on the call as uh, we get into some of the other topics and, and circle back to you. Um, and, you know, Coop, I know even from your perspective, one of the things, this is our first anniversary. And, you know, you look back on some of uh, mm-hmm. our topics from our first call. This one, you know, we're talking about critical thinking and, and where things are going. What were we talking about a year ago? We also, so critical thinking came up last year. Um, there were three things, critical thinking, collaboration, and networking, like the social side of of being a BA. Um, and we talked, uh, the, the, the spark of it was also STEM. We were talking about how, um like learning about math and technology and science in school kind of helps you become a better VA. And it definitely, you know, we talked about how it helped me. Uh, I grew up or went to college as an accounting major. And then, you know, that had helped me be a better analytical thinker. So, um, so it was interesting that Rick talked about their collaboration because that's what we were talking about last year and the need, um, the way VAs need to operate, it should be a collaborative effort. Um, you know, the shirt I'm wearing is 
Uh, it was the B to T shirt that we wore at the BBC conference. And on the back, it says analysis is a team sport. And you always said requirements is a team, team sport. So, um, and that's what it is, right? And people in this space need to know that uh, they're not out there on an island and they shouldn't act like they're on an island and doing their work alone. They should be collaborating with other people. They should be understanding what they need um, and then going out and finding the right people to, to get that information. Yeah, and you, you know, that, that reminds me, uh, someone today, just today, when I, we were uh, I was doing a follow-up call with one of my classes, one of the students said that our class helped lower her blood pressure <laughs> yeah. because she was taking on all of the thinking it was all on her shoulders. And then when, when kind of giving her permission that, no, use your whole team, get them all engaged. And the great part was, and I think that this is one of the, the big revelations, one of the big takeaways from 2016 going to 2017, is that it's not just about sending a business analyst to a business analyst class. Right. When even people sitting in the room and hearing what it is that is entailed in business analysis, she had spoken to how one of the other, it was a tester, uh, like, like Rick was saying, in his area that um, came to her and said, I see I can be helping you more. I see ways I can help you. So sitting through the analysis class enlightened her, and now she said, now the whole team is working together. Her blood pressure's come down, and they're being more cohesive. It's just a much more healthy environment. Right. So I, I think that that whole team, you know, people were asking about those shirts at the uh, Right. Yeah, the they wanted to buy them. Right, yeah. We, <laughs> so I think we just, still need to, yeah, to do a mass production and get them out there. To yeah, vote. stay tuned. So you can, in 2017, get your – B2T uh, uh, requirements as a team sport uh, shirt. So stay tuned for that as well. So yeah, and there was another, uh, and it happened to be another one of your classes. I was looking at a survey from a class you taught recently, and there was a developer in the class that, and his comment was, well, I'm not going to use this stuff day in and day out because I'm the developer on the team, but it helped me so much to understand why the BA is doing what the BA is is doing um, and it helped them be a better team member to help support them and and even identify when hey there's there's gaps in certain things a- absolutely and speaking of Pam I want to open up your mic just real quick because you're you also uh, teach and around analysis and that type of thing how do you feel when you have a class that's just not um, business analyst how do you see other people in other roles like you said you guys are in the, the QA role how does understanding the analysis piece help people in the various roles in IT from your perspective and experience? Oh, um, I mean, just understanding their involvement in this, understanding that they're going to be the recipient of the requirements as the QA person, and they're going to be responsible for ensuring that they are correct. Um, exactly. We are working with the entire team. We're working with the the business areas we're working with the, um, the, in particular, the project managers, and just understanding their involvement in ensuring that the timing of all this and ensuring that we're meeting meeting the needs of the business is who we are dealing with an awful lot in our work in our in our quality assurance work. Um, but then just right, just appreciating how important those requirements are and how they are passed. Like some of the stuff I worked with in particular last year was just understanding what is res- what I'm responsible for as the business analyst to who, what am I responsible to giving to the people that will be coding from this? 
What do they need in order to do their job? And and then understanding. Go ahead. No, no, no. We're just agreeing with you. Right. Yeah. Yes. 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 I mean, I I struggle with that constantly, and it's like I can produce anything you want, but what do you need in order to do to do your job better? And I mean, I guess that's a lot of what we're seeing regarding the teams. Is is each is each area developing something useful? for the next area to work from whenever we have a, a team that we're working with. Absolutely. Are you experiencing Absolutely. the same types of things? Oh, oh, definitely. And, and bear with me because I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm working the switchboard with the microphones uh, so that we don't get uh, feedback. But I, I just want to elaborate what Pam said too, is that when you're communicating to understand what is it you need, that's how you get to lean requirements, mm-hmm. not just arbitrarily, well, we don't need this or we don't need that. Um, what I think sometimes happens is that you have to overproduce documentation because I'm trying to guess what you might right. need or might use that type of thing. If we're having a conversation, did that work well for you? Did that not work well for you? Do we need as much here? Then, you know, I, I'm all about the lean documentation. But uh, make sure that, as Pam mentioned, the recipient is in tune with what you're slicing and dicing right. and um, understanding how they're using it. So it's about understanding the recipient. Yeah, yeah, and you know we've talked about lean business analysis, and that's kind of been my mantra over the last three or four years has been that business analysis is about facilitating decision making, and th- and this is how the concept folds into lean analysis and exactly what you're saying. If your, if your role and your goal is to help people make better decisions, um, and one of those decisions on a project is what's the problem or opportunity we're trying to go after. So you have to do analysis to help people get to that decision. And if so the only analysis you do is the analysis that helps them get to the decision. And how do you know that? You have to talk to them and ask them, what information do you need? What do you want? Um, how, how can I help you make that decision? And then that's the analysis you do. And that's it. If they can make a decision, you're done. Don't keep analyzing it and don't do things that just because you think it should be done, unless the, the recipient, um, the consumer of the stuff you're delivering can use it to help make a decision. So it all like lean business analysis, decision-making. I think that's the kind of next generation 2017 looking forward if people have that attitude and that mindset and what you and Pam are talking about, um, then then you can start really adding value to your teams. Absolutely. You know, once again, hey, we're, we're you know, we're, we're back to our old self. I, yeah. it, it reminds me of how our conversations, you say something and then it, it, it uh, triggers something in right. my mind. And one of the things that it uh, triggers in my mind, too, is now that, IT's been around for 30 years or so, and and even business analysis, it's now been around. And it's very interesting to me, though, that sometimes, and I myself, you know, I've been practicing business analysis for 30 years, but I can say every year I'm always learning. I'm a, a lifelong learner. I'm always learning something new, I'm, whether it's learning it from the students, and that's why I like being mm-hmm. on, on the different sites, as well as the consulting that I do, because I don't like to just talk about it. I do it. You and, need to and live it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But one of the things that I'll say that if someone's been doing business analysis for 30 years and they're doing it the same way today as they were doing 
30 years ago, let alone two years ago. Because even, I say this to people who've been doing Agile for maybe 10 years or so, um, Agile is now in its adolescence now. So if you're doing it the same way you did it 10 years ago, then that's a problem in and of itself. That's, um, that's not being Agile, right? Exactly. Because <laughs> you're not learning, adapting. And... It's continuous process mm-hmm. improvement. So you need to have your eyes and ears open. And, and maybe I'm preaching in a choir because the people who listen to our podcast, these are the people that are looking for, give me that next right. new nugget. And that's why we talk about, and, and we can look back at 2016 and some of our comments from 2016 mature those, taking them into, you know, 2017. Um, but the, the word has to get out to a broader audience that, um, you know, if you're doing business analysis the same way or if you think you took that one course and you're good and to you're go. Done. Right. Even even within our courses, you know, we and and, and you know, not to to, to be too T horn, but <laughs> you know, it's like yes, we have to keep up with that curriculum because it's changing, the industry's changing. Um, yeah, and environments change, right? How people are performing the role. I mean, yeah, all that is is constantly moving, and I I think the the lifelong learner piece is is critical. Um, <clears throat> and years ago, I wrote a there was a blog and a presentation around um, what it really means to be a senior BA. And actually Heather Milan Maines, who's another one of our colleagues actually wrote a similar one recently, but in mine, I was saying a senior person isn't somebody that's been doing the same thing for 10 years, right? You have to have a breadth of experience. And if, if you haven't adapted your ways, then you're not, you're senior in the sense of years of experience, but not in, in your experience and you can't can't keep going through the motions uh you have to always be looking around and figuring out how and i think that's the critical thinking piece right that goes back it's the same thing on your projects right so just because you did a project like this and it smells just like the last one you had that doesn't mean you do it the same way right and maybe there are some things you do the same now we're not saying always change but um you, you have to at least go through that thought process Exactly. And, and whether people call it critical thinking or not, uh, it shouldn't be a day that doesn't go by that uh, you know, from, and this is the thing, is that we do analysis on projects and the problems and the solution, but you should be doing analysis on the work that you're doing, your contribution, how you're approaching it, how you're approaching your stakeholders and that type of thing. So, um, you know, I, I can remember, and I've been saying this for a while, you know, we don't use the A and B A enough. Right, exactly. <laughs> but I think that, and, and that's. And you know, it's funny. We sometimes don't use the B enough, right? <laughs> we just, we just, we just use. I don't know. There's an S around solutions, right? You know, or systems. That that's what we focus on. So a lot of people are BSAs, but systems <laughs> analysts, and they just use the letter in the middle yeah. and not the the B and A enough. Exactly. And, and hopefully they don't use BS right. too often. That's I mean, the, <laughs> Uh, uh, but, you know, the, the thing is, and, you know, I do see it maturing. I definitely yeah. see um, that people, there's, there's more people that now have been doing it for a while. And sometimes, and we talk about this, sometimes you've got to do it your way. And then once you kind of start feeling the pain, then you kind of circle back around and you should be saying, there's got to be a better way. Right. Because it, there has been. I, I tell people when they're embarking upon uh, business analysis, you have 30 years worth now of experience and lesson learned. We had to, 
you know, the, the dark ages when there were true business analysts, we kind of did some analysts. And when I do my introduction, I talk about how, you know, you went and you talked with a user for about 30 minutes and you started coding. Started coding, right. Yeah. And, um, but this is once again when they were using green screens or spreadsheets. Now we have more a much more mature mm-hmm. audience, so why shouldn't what we do be more mature and our conversations be um, more mature as well as our technique? Mm-hmm. And then the other thing is technology has made the world speed up. And at the same time, what I you know, like to emphasize is being busy doesn't necessarily mean being productive. Right. And so we have people that are trying to move really, really fast and get things done. But, um, if, you know, if you find yourself backtracking, then you're not really making forward progress. You're just spinning in circles. Right. And so that's where maturing your approach to doing the analysis up front. Because we've been saying for how long is that doing the planning up front, It's going to save you. Right. Yeah. And I think it might be confirmation bias on my side, but that was one of the notes I had written down um, about 2017, where some of the focus is just more and more people that I'm talking to are are agreeing with this, that the the focus is less on, and I think on agile teams, and you write a lot about this, so I'm not going to go into that into detail, but on agile teams, they're, they're doing a better job now of getting stuff done, but to, your comment around they're busy, right, and they're getting stuff done, but are they getting the right thing done? Um, and I think that's where a big focus is really kind of the, the switch is happening where it's not just about working more efficient as a team. It's working more efficient as a team and getting stuff that customers really want to use. And, and up until this point, some of the surveys that are out there still point to that customer satisfaction is still not the highest priority, um, or it's not when it comes to IT and technology, there's still too much of technology driving some stuff um, and not the business want, you know, things that the business really wants and can really use to excel. Absolutely. And to your point, sometimes I I even say in my agile class is that, yeah, agile can help you build the wrong things really fast. Right, exactly. (laughs) So it's not necessarily, you know, getting to that minimum viable product. And and so the, the two, and that's where I see, you know, when we first talked about Agile, MVP wasn't in the, the conversation. Mm-hmm. Now I don't have a conversation where, where it's you know, not. I mean, mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, let, let me jump back to, to Pam for a second. Pam, uh, talking about lifelong learner and, and evolution over time, uh, you recently actually took a class. So talk to us about... Uh, some of the new things that you're introducing to your repertoire and what what, what came out of your class? I believe it was an agile class. Oh, I, I it thought it was, was an agile class. <laughs> it wasn't the dance class, Pam, that you took? No, no, I did not. Well, uh, I shouldn't say that. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what I will talk about is my scrum master class, actually. Yes, it, it was very, very good. I, I um, attended it in Columbus, Ohio, and, I mean, very eye-opening to me. I now understand the terms. I mean, I definitely learned all the agile terms is what I learned. Um, I can't wait to try this, frankly. I mean, I have, I have reviewed in this past year, I've reviewed a lot of agile projects. Um, I don't know how good or bad they were, but, I mean, that, that's been my 
I've, I've been exposed to Agile in that way in, in doing the quality assurance checks. But um, just uh, I had a fabulous teacher, young woman was excellent, and um, I, like I said, I'm really looking forward to getting on an Agile project and using the, the skills. Um, just under trying, I mean, I have an understanding of the development team. Having, I now have a better understanding where the BAs fit in this world, where the um, development team and the um, QA all, all being part of that development team. Um, and as I said, I have a better understanding as to what a scrum master's role would be in, on, a, on a Agile project. Um, yeah, it, I'm very, very intrigued by it, really anxious to, to get on an Agile project and, and get involved in the work. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, and I'll, I'll piggyback my, my um, continuous process improvement. Uh, this year I got my certification and this year uh, safe uh, approach and the, the skilled Agile framework. And so I myself, just like Pam, it, it's like um, getting exposed. And, and the thing is, is that it's very different when you still have that foundation of the business analysis, and now it's mapping and finding um, its appropriate application now in these different approaches. Because I tell people a lot of times, you can take Agile, you can take Scrum, you can take Safe. Um, all, all these various different approaches, which are wonderful planning tools. They help plan and manage right. and, and that type of thing. But even when you have a backlog, for example, if you don't know how to do your analysis and if you haven't done your scope so that you have those boundaries, you can just have a random backlog. And like I said, you can work on a lot of things really fast that right. come together and mean nothing. They don't have value. And that, so I'm adding to my list as, 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 I, as we go along right. for my 2016. And I'll say that, that we were on top of this a while ago, but I really see this carrying over in 2017 is I tell students, it's less about requirements management and it's more about value management. And I think when you keep that focus on value management, you really start seeing back to what we said, the A and BA coming out. That's where, right. and that's where you're going to get the most out of your business analyst. So I think some organizations, if you're just using your business analyst for requirements management, you're not getting your money's worth. Mm -hmm. Use them for helping to, to really help with that MVP and that value management. Yeah. So tell me if this is along the same lines that you're thinking requirements management versus value management. Um, I, I was having a conversation with someone and my comment to them was we got to focus less on the number of features that you promised to a group than the outcomes that you're looking for. Um, and she's like, well, what are you talking about? We, at the beginning of a project, we have to say we're going to do these features. And if we don't implement them, that project is a failure. And I'm like, no, it's not. Right. So if there were 10 features you thought you needed to get to the value or the outcomes that the business needed, uh, at the beginning, but once you get to the fifth one, you realize, you know what, we're there. We're 95% there. It doesn't make sense to do the other five. That, to me, is a success, right? Why keep going with those other five features and get these bloated systems that aren't bringing value to the organization? So I think that, is that the same thing? Like, oh, absolutely. absolutely. <clears throat> and, and, you know, I, I'll tell you one thing that I, you know, I still see this being repeated 
and it just makes me cringe because it's like there's too many examples of where this doesn't work. Where I hear people say, I've got a legacy system. Because, again, now we're into 30 years of, of stuff. Right, of stuff. And yeah. I need to replace it. And I want everything that's in that mm. legacy system. Right. And it's like, you you know, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep repeating this. Just like I said, if you're doing business the same way you did 30 years ago, and you need every one of those features. So, prime example, 30 years ago, everything was a report, and you printed it out, and you had hard copies, and, you know, you had copies upon copies. Nobody's doing reports. You don't have to because we've got these great dashboards where you can drill down and slice and dice and right. friendly tools. So why are you saying that everything? And so they do that and they just skip over analysis and just say, okay, you know, feature for feature. We have exactly. to have this over right. here. And it's just. It and doesn't make sense. Yeah. It absolutely doesn't. And, and then, you know, they get, you know, several iterations into a project. And then come to find out this was obsolete, this wasn't really necessary. Then they're having the conversation. It's like, and, and I talk about whether it's, you know, agile in any, um, any type of project like this. Time out, let's do a reset. Let's, okay, so now we know that our theory about having to have every feature isn't the way. Right. So let's do a timeout and do a reset. Um, because sometimes they're just not ready to hear it early on, but... Uh, again, that's the, the, the users, you know, it, it's, it's once again, it's almost like we love the analogy about building a house. When you move from one house to the next house, if you say, I need this same exact house, they're, you know, the, right. you know just tell me, in, in a, for example, you know, even when you move from one house to another, your lifestyle, it may have been 10 years, 20 years when you bought that other house. You had four kids right now, they're out in college, right, exactly. you really need that. Yeah. Right, no, and I think that to me, and this is why, and again, it's it's my mantra. So I I probably find ways to fit everything into this, but it's about good decision making, right? And the people making that decision need to have more facts to say. Just take the legacy system and copy it and put it in a new system. Um, they need facts to to make. Is that the best choice? Is that a good decision? And they think it is because it's like, oh, it's easy. We don't have to spend time analyzing anything, just feature for feature, right? Just, just redo it. Um, and, and giving them more information around, well, what if there are features that aren't used? Do you, do you care that we spend money on implementing that, right? Or what if there's big pain points that people are screaming about? Why build it the same way, right? And now they have a new system, but it's the same thing, right? Um, so, and even even giving a great example, a way to do that is like, is there an app on your phone that you don't like? Well, oh yeah, I wish this app did this, this, and this. Well, let's say it's now out of date. Do you want them just to create the same app with prettier colors, um, or do you want features to be improved and stuff like that? You know. So, yeah, and it so it's about analysis. And this is, you know, uh, this is probably a, another show. But as you're saying this stuff, it's making me think about that to do this work and to do it in a expedited manner, which is what people need, you have to have experience, right? And there, there's a lot of people in, in the profession um, that just don't have a lot of experience, right? They're new to the profession and whatever, they don't have a lot of this experience. And it's really hard. I, I mean, it's, it, it is frustrating. You talked about that, that student yet in class, that her blood pressure was raising, right? Um, I would assume there's a lot of BAs out there 
that their blood pressure is really high because um, they they don't have the experience like someone like you has, um, but they're being asked to do these types of activities, and it's difficult. Absolutely, and and, and that's what, and I know that Pam and I have had this conversation too, is that, you know, and some of this is, is gotten lost in translation because I can remember early on conversations about agile. It was they talked about well-performing teams. They said put your top performers on these agile teams, and that includes your your those people who have that analysis experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, you know, again, in order to move at that pace, and that's something that I also talk about in the agile bootcamp too, is being able to move at that pace and sustain it and stay healthy and not just burn everyone out. Because I have people that are doing agile, but I know that six months from now, we're going to be getting a call back because people are going to be leaving your team, burn out. They don't, they don't even want to hear the word agile anymore. I just recently talked to someone who said that, um, you know, that they were leaving an agile, they were leaving the organization and actually get off an agile project and said that they were looking for anything but an agile project on their Because they had such a bad experience? Because wow. they, and I was like, then you haven't even... You right, haven't, you're not, it's not being done well. Uh, yeah. Right, exactly. Don't, don't take that away as the only way to approach um, agile. So it, it does take those people that all come with their area of expertise. And the luxury of doing those sprints is because you've done that baseline, that traditional VAs and people who have been doing VA for long term, it was like if you want to sustain a space, a pace of two-week iterations, then you've got to do my the foundational things, the iteration zero. And I can remember doing them under the covers when I first started out and I was appearing up with another VA and like, what are you doing right. to keep this pace? She's like, I do the same thing. I still do my context. I still do my decomp. I just keep it at a certain level. I keep it informal um, so that when that just-in-time conversation comes up, I you can, can pull it out. And pull right. it out. Yep. So it's like, if you want to know how to prepare your VAs for an adult environment, you've got to get them to the, that baseline and that basics and look for those who've had that experience and, and practice uh, to coach the rest of the team. You know, look at your business analyst not as the old go-to, our only person who does the analysis, but they're the ones who have the expertise to coach the other team members as to, we need to ask this question, we need to have this conversation, we need to make sure we're all on the same page, that type of uh, coaching. And just, you know, just completely taking the business analyst or the, the analyst piece out of the equation Again, you're just it's random acts of agile. I call yeah. it. <laughs> you know, you're, you're doing the ceremonies and that type of thing, but it's just um, it, it 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 can't be like that on agile. You've got to have those high performers on that team that understand their particular discipline. Right. Yeah, and I think you know the the reason why you create that context diagram and your functional decomps and all these other great analysis tools that have been out there. For years and years and years is so you could quickly see impacts so when you're looking at a story right which is a small chunk of information well if we implement it in the way we're talking about it what is it going to impact right um and that to me is where analysis is that's where all the value kind of comes in with analysis so you're 
you understand, okay, if we do it this way, here's what it can impact. Do we still want to do it that way? Um, and, and by ha using all those analysis and, uh, techniques and having them available to you allows you to, to understand impacts. And that, again, you know, it's, it's about decision-making. And I do this all the time. I'll always be like, oh, it's all about decision-making or it's all about communication. But it's all about uh, impact analysis, too, in analysis. Yeah, absolutely. As a matter of fact, I feel that, um, that business analysts will find Agile to be more rewarding mm -hmm. as they start getting into and start seeing teams that are performing Agile in a mature manner. Because almost you can say a, a waterfall, um, even though we had this step and this milestone where we had to do requirements, it still was a lot of documentation. It was the focus was documentation. Right. Well, now in an agile environment, like you said, you're having to negotiate and help make decisions every day All on the, the time. fly. Yeah. You know, and, and I tell people, I walk into my agile um, each morning at the stand-up, and that was going to determine who and what and, and what was the, the hot topic that needed to be uh, flushed out and how I was going to, and I call it on-the-fly facilitation. Mm -hmm. And so uh, you, you will get much more. And, and the, the great thing, like, like for Pam, who um, having all of the, the business analysis background, now taking the Scrum Master uh, training, I'm, I'm sure it's just natural to try to see how Scrum Masters need to support the analysis on the team. Um, and so I, I even see where Scrum Masters need to take, you know, kind of an overview of how analysis fits into Agile, because you're not going to find that in your, what I would call your vanilla no. uh, Agile course. It's going to teach you how to be a Scrum Master, but now it's circled back our way to, and by that what I mean PTT training, to kind of now have a conversation about, okay, now, how do I streamline, get that lean analysis, but the right amount so that I have a sustained, right. healthy team? Yeah, and to me, it makes perfect sense, right, to have kind of this evolution has happened. You know, what you first have to do is get people bought into this new way of operating, right? Um, and, and that takes time, and you need, you know, Scrum seemed to be the the – the main one that has popped up as far as approach and how an agile team operates um, safe uh, and other, you know, scaling type things are, are coming into favor too. But it, so once they get a feel for, okay, I, I basically get that structure. Then when you get it, now it's coming back to, okay, so we got this structure. Our team is more efficient. And to your point, we're more efficient at, you know, putting out stuff nobody wants. Um, so, so now how do we improve? What's that next evolution of improvement? And that's around analysis, right? And the requirements and making sure we're working on the right thing. And that's why I think 2017 is a really big year for that. You know, at the Agile, and we talked about this on another radio show, the Agile Alliance conference that was held in Atlanta this year, Agile 2016, you know, the the concept around agile being a mindset was a huge, huge, huge push. Um, so kind of getting, getting away from the, to your point about just being scrum and all the ceremonies that, that go along with that. It's, it's really, what is the mindset? And one of the big mindset pieces, and you've been saying this is around value. How do we ensure that we're doing things that are valuable for the business? And, and that's analysis. That's the stuff we do. And that's, Right, and that's why we're trying to help teams and individuals 
around the world get better at this. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, I just want to welcome our audience. And again, we have people joining us from uh, Pittsburgh, 412, also 724. Welcome to the show. Um, it's Coop and Jacqueline here on our one-year podcast anniversary. So uh, we're kind of looking back at some of the things we talked about a year ago, talked about some of our experiences, and and then also we want to talk about some of our 2017 predictions. And want you also to join in, chime in. If you're on the phone, if you dialed in, or if you're on your computer, 714-888-7506 is the dial-in number. If you're on the line and we don't see you in the queue, press 1 so that we can see you. And we would uh, love to hear from you. We'd love to talk to you. Um, agree, disagree. You know, we want to hear about your experiences with projects or your experiences with Agile. And, uh, again, where you see uh, if, if the industry is going the right directions, are we hitting on the right areas of improvement? Or are Coop and I hitting on the right topic? <laughs> you know, are we talking about the things that uh, are the pain points that you're experiencing in your world? And I know some of you are joining us here over your lunch hour. Um, and, and let me talk, you know, Rick has joined us from Pittsburgh along with Pam. And, Rick, I would like to open up your mic uh, and – uh, just ask you, we've been talking from a business analyst. Oh, hi there, 607 uh, yeah, area code. That's Greg Busby. Oh, so, yeah, he just sent me a text. So, wonderful, yeah. wonderful. So we're going to be talking to some other people. But, uh, Rick, just real quick, I wanted to open up your mic. And, you know, we've been talking about how the business analyst role has been evolving and changing, um, you know, not just over the last 30 years in the last year. Rick, I think you come from a perspective of testing and QA, if I'm not mistaken. So I'm real curious to hear maybe what you've seen has still had an impact in, in your area or what's the big impact to uh, the area that you're working in? So, yeah, the, um, the, the topic of Agile certainly is, is one that um, we, we're wrestling with right now. Uh, just because um, I, I'm not sure if there are any set uh, standards that uh, we could that are repeatable across organizations that you go to. And so when you when you walk into an organization that's practicing agile or is trying to start up agile, uh, I think the first thing you have to understand is how did that organization stand up their Agile program. And then from there, you can start to um, apply some meaningful or reasonable uh, quality assurance requirements. Uh, so I think one of the, the paradigm shifts maybe that, 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 we, that quality assurance needs to go through it goes back to uh, what you were saying about this um, collaborative nature of um, making sure that we're doing what the regulators are asking us to do, while at the same time uh, very much aware of of what the business has is, is laid down as uh, their foundational practices, and in particular agile, just because and I was talking with Pam and, and Lisa a couple of days ago. I showed them, um, and I was Pam. I don't think Lisa was there, but uh, it was another colleague, and I was uh, showing them a, an IEEE standard 
because from a quality assurance perspective, that's that's usually where I go just to have an understanding of what what does the uh, what does the industry accept as a best practice. And there's an IEEE standard out there that talks about uh, documentation in an agile environment. And I was saying, you know, there, there's very little prescription here uh, in terms of what absolutely has to be done, of course, in agile space, uh, the product backlog and some foundational documents like user stories and use cases. But, for example, you know, you talked about a couple of minutes ago, you talked about uh, context-level diagrams and, and things that are more technical in their uh, in their uh, representation of a system, and I'm not I'm not saying that it's not important to document that. I think it is very important. However, uh, in this IEEE standard, it talks about high-level design proposals, and in parentheses it says may not be needed for agile development. And so you know you read that and you're like, okay, if an organization decides they don't need to do that then we can't prescribe that from a QA perspective. And so that's that's the paradigm shift, I think, uh, Jacqueline and Coop, is, is this notion that um, you, know, you can't just uh, f uh, force uh, a certain mindset. Uh, you first have to learn, collaborate with the group, the business, and then, um, you know, partnering with them, move forward. Again, trying to keep the regulators at bay as well. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, no, no, I think I was going to jump on a couple of things that Rick talked about that he hit on. Um, and, you know, uh, I'll get on my soapbox about best practices and that I don't think there are best practices. I think there are good practices in certain environments. And I think that's, Rick, what you were talking about was you have to understand the environment and the culture um, and then try to figure out what works best. So, you know, I'm not I don't follow high triple E stuff like you do. Um, obviously that's um, something in your wheelhouse or something you go to, to, to do your job. So uh, I didn't even realize that comments like that were written. And I think that's perfect, right? That's what it is. And, and I think that's the, the beauty and the, the curse of agile is that, yeah, there are certain things and there are certain foundations and, you know, you use user stories and if you're, I think, you know, a scrum approach is some key things that are really good, retrospectives and stand-ups and all this stuff. Um, but in the end, it comes down to what's going to make sense for the team. That's why I go back to decisions. It's like if something is going to help make a decision, uh, then then do it. And that, to me, is being agile, right? Um, and it's it's being lean. It's thinking about what's the most efficient way to move forward and get to a good answer and a good solution that people want to do something with. Absolutely. And, and we, we kind of have Rick back because there's a whole, I, I feel like when, as he was talking, I, like, like you said, yeah, he, he's a, a soft talker, but I think there's like, yeah. um, a lot of deep knowledge back there that we got to unleash. Get over it. Because he has a point that you have organizations and him, him being in QA that's trying to balance what the regulators are saying. And it's interesting, like you said, they base that, that on, you know, like the, the IEEE, and Agile is new, so anything that they're writing now, what, what is that foundational base that they're, they're writing that on? But he, he, what he, uh, one of the things I remember he said early on was that 
agile would maybe different, you know, organization by organization. Right. I but even team say by team, right? it's project by project yeah, right. and it's team by team. Cause even from uh, the same team, a different type of project. And that's back to that, that critical thinking is you're not doing something, you know, regimented for the sake of doing it because it's quote unquote agile. Cause I've had people um, right. in the, the past, my class said, well, Someone went to Agile training and they said, and I and I tell them, I said they don't own the word Agile. Okay, <laughs> there isn't. I said the, check the manifesto and then let's work from that place of really trying to understand the spirit of what what we're trying and to key do. Key principles, right? Exactly, mm-hmm. and not beating up saying Agile is Agile. Nobody can say Agile. It let's right. start with the manifesto. Right. So I I completely agree with him, and and just on the the same token where. IEEE says you don't have to do the context level data flow diagram. Someone might, or, you know, a, a structured uh, high level diagram. Some might turn around and say, well, we never have to do that because I read here. Right. So, but on one project, you don't need to do it. It's overkill. This project over here, I, you know, in, in our class, I was like, okay, how many different external agents do you have? And they say, well, I only have no. two. Well, okay. Let's throw a side pocket up here. It, it says the same thing. Let's decompose that. Do you understand what we're trying to accomplish? Okay, we're good to go. Right. Something else, when you tell me you have four or five external agents, then I said, okay, let's lay this out and let's make sure we haven't missed, you know, that type of thing. So it's a case-by-case case scenario. And I know some people are here on their lunch hour, so I want to say hi to a few people while we have them on the line and we don't lose them because we really appreciate people dialing in. So, first of all, let me just double check. I have area code 724. If you're there and like to open, I have your mic open. If you want to come off a of mute and talk to us for a minute and just say hi, who's calling from 724 area code? Uh, this, is, this is Kathy. Can you hear me? I can hear you, Kathy. Okay. I'm a colleague seven. of Thank you. I, I'm a colleague of Pam Swentz, and so um, she asked me to call also. 724 is right next to 412, so <laughs> I just oh, a right. further out from the city. I, I think you guys did this on purpose. Like, <laughs> you guys are probably wearing black and yellow and waving your terrible towels and doing all that stuff. You're, thanks, Pam, for uh, getting all your Pittsburgh buddies on the on the line. Yeah, she's got the whole, got the whole team here. Excellent. Thank you, Pam. So, Kathy, so you've been hearing uh, Coop and I banter a little bit here. Um, what are your thoughts about the, the year and, and, and just this, this whole space? Any big lessons learned for you? Well, I, I certainly would echo what um, Pam and Rick have already said. Um, I um, have uh, almost um, – let me see, 150% more than 30 years' experience <laughs> in this area. Um, I, I think that um, part of what of, of what happens with change, and it seems like change happens more quickly um, in the last few years than it had before, but I, it certainly depends upon the type of institution that um, we're working with. If we happen to work with a technology company, it seems like um, there may be a, a different and perhaps a quicker way to approach these types of things. Um, the, you know, the place where I work, being in banking, um, you know, banking are financial institutions. That's their, um, their purpose and their goal. Um, but IT is unbelievably important. So 
bringing along the IT uh, function within another industry is uh, sometimes a little bit more problematic, but I think the, the biggest challenge is that we need to make sure that we have the lines of business within our uh, companies on board with us and that they start to become um, as integral to projects, even IT projects, as, as integral as the, the rest of the team. And I think Agile is one of the uh, approaches that will actually do that because they're saying we need everyone on board that needs that has an interest uh, or a benefit or um, input into the process that we're trying to build. Yeah, you know, I, I think, Kathy, the and whether you're doing Scrum or anything else, ha if the business isn't involved, and I think there was a point, and maybe, you know, in the, the 80s and 90s, there was IT projects that got pushed from from IT. Um, like we got to get off of pencil and paper and let's implement PeopleSoft, uh, SAP, these big ERP applications. And some things were driven from IT to make that happen. I think now it's a complete, it needs to be the complete opposite. Um, that the, the reason why, you know, the, the groups that you guys work in, uh, in your organization is an IT organization, but that you're not there, your company, you're a bank, right? Um, so you're there to support the bank and the lines of business. And if they're not involved in the day-to-day the -day and some of these decisions that have to be made around what, what is value, then uh, it, it just doesn't make sense. And IT shouldn't be driving that, right? Even, even the best BAs, um, unless they truly are a subject matter expert and they're in the business, they don't know the business as well as the people that are in the business. And they, they have to be part of that conversation. I was on a call yesterday with a client um, and he was asking if we had um, some services to help their BAs work with their business stakeholders uh, to improve uh, helping them uh, elicit and get out what the real value is um, that the business is looking for. And not just have the business say, well, what's your opinion? What do you think we should do? And they, just like you guys, they're kind of a, a third-party package shop or cost commercial off the shelf. And um, they, the business line kept asking the IT team, well, what do you think is the best product? And they're like, our opinion doesn't matter as much as yours, right? So what's most important to you? What are the things, the capabilities and the things you need out of the system? Then we can help you show you the differences between the top three that we picked out that thought might be a good fit. So it's really ingraining the business. And that, again, um, and I apologize to everybody, but it, it's all about decisions, right? It's helping them make best decisions on what the IT group should be focusing on. And if you don't have that, then that you're just organizations are kind of setting themselves up for, for challenges. Absolutely. You know, and, and that piggybacks on, um, some of the things that I've experienced and observed this year, it, especially, you know, it really dawned upon me, you know, when Agile came along and they talked about introducing the product owner as a part of that Agile team, nobody told the product owner. <laughs> right. right. Um, you know, it's like here over an ITO, okay, this is a great idea. Let's include them on the, the team. And, and what I mean by that is they really didn't explain the time, the commitment, and some of the type of questions that they were going to be asked and that uh, it was determined that they'd have these regular demos. And now some product owners, first of all, are pushing back. But some of that, I think, is that they didn't get the proper orientation and, you know, introduction as to why this is happening. 
right. why this is a business benefit to them. Because uh, I have some people say, well, my product owner, you know, um, doesn't want to all these demos, or my product owner has maybe proxy. I've heard this word proxy starts mm-hmm. to scare me. Uh, that uh, because I, I just recently was talking to someone that their lead developer is the uh, product proxy owner, product proxy, owner. Yeah. and he introduced you know some new things that he wants to put in the system that was not asked for, wasn't in scope, and you know when the scrum master said, well, did the business ask for this? Well, I'm the proxy. So not even that he consulted them, he just figured ah, that it'd be a nice they, to have. They need this. So right. and it added time to the overall delivery, uh, you know, of the, the the backlog and the delivery of the solution. So proxy is very dangerous. So going into 2017, we need to kind of corral this whole proxy thing and not just um, accept the fact that the product owner says, well, I don't want to do this. Then my answer was, well, we need to sell it better. We right. need to have that conversation. Mm-hmm. Let's have a uh, you know, I talk about lunch and learns or, or uh, let's have a orientation. And those who come out of it, the lady that I said that her blood pressure went down once she understood because someone told her, okay, you're the product owner. You got to do this, you this, this, right. this. She got overwhelmed. And then when she understood, no, 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 you get a team together. There's a way that you can to work this. Um, and, you know, she had a much better perspective. So, you know, um, getting these product owners up to speed, I think, is, is so important. And it ties in to what Kathy said, that it's about, at this day and age, IT and the business, they need to be working, One. Together, yeah, working right. together, understanding and appreciating. When you understand what both sides, uh, you know, have appreciation and respect for each other, that's when I go back to that healthy relationship. Um and, and we've had a history of not having a healthy relationship mm-hmm. between business and IT. So organizations have to look at, okay, team building and, 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 and changing the culture to, to get us back on the same page. Because whenever I've heard, I have directly had a conversation with a product owner that says, well, I feel like when I have to attend all these meetings and these stand-ups and talk every day about this, just, I feel like I'm doing IT's job. And um, I just, you know, I don't want to do that. And, and I thought to myself, I was like, well, upper management begs different with right. you because they've adapted this approach and they see that IT is strategic to the business success. So everybody, even on the business side, needs to be on board. Agile is not just something that IT needs to be doing. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. You know, in the early days of Agile, a team I worked on uh, was a bunch of teams, but they, the, the system we were uh, redoing, um, uh, retiring a lessee system, implementing a brand new one, we were building it from scratch and the, they actually pulled six people. There were six teams and they pulled six people out of the business for a six month period to actually be the product owners. Um, at that point, I don't even know if we were calling them product owners, but that's what they were, but they, it was so important to the business that they moved those people into our teams, right? Which was awesome. And and if you can do that, that's great. Oftentimes you can't. So you got to figure out ways. How do we get the most? How do we engage the business as much as we can? Um, and that, that takes away the, the finger pointing, you know, to your, the bad blood between business and IT. It, it. That's not what it should be about. IT should be there to support the business and um, unless your company is a software business, right? Um, that your IT organization is supporting the business. So I know we have Greg sent me another text. I think yeah, he's on the line. Let's absolutely. get him. I know we're. Uh, 
We've got about 20 minutes left, so I want to make sure we get Greg. And there you are, Greg. How are you? Hello. How are you guys? We're doing wonderful, wonderful. Tell about audience where you're calling from. I'm calling from central New York. Nice, nice. So you heard all of this banter, and I'm sure you have an opinion. Uh, you know, we, we last talked to you and saw you at the BBC conference. So what, what do you think is, you know, tell us about your year in review, 2016, what you maybe uh, picked up at the conference and what you see for 2017 in our space. Well, I think the year in review, I think this, this past year, to exactly what, what Coop was just talking about and, and what really everybody is trying to figure out is how are we adding value and how are we showing that the IT that we're putting into our companies is adding value to the company, you know, and, and business analysts seem to be the folks, and, and I think they should be because they have the training, who help find out what it is that the business is trying to achieve and then marry that to what the IT system, whatever that automation is going to provide and, and determine whether or not uh, there's enough value there to pay for it. It really comes down to, to a business decision of are we going to make uh, are we going to make enough of a return? Are we going to be able to either do other things with the people we're freeing up or be able to do things that we didn't have to do or lower our risks and our costs somehow by, um, by putting in automation so that we are achieving enough value to pay for the system? And that's what businesses are, are trying to do. So I think, uh, you know, this year I think there was more and more of that realization that it's not just about the technology but as you guys were saying, uh, directly to the value to the business. Excellent. You know, and, and uh, you know, you used a, a key word there is that the risk. What is the risk? What's the risk of doing this or not doing this? You know, and that's sometimes how I, I do my value proposition. What if we don't do this? What's, and, and down to the teacher level. What if we don't do this? What's the worst thing that can happen? And when they start stuttering and, and, and well, we had it just we had it in the old system. Mm-hmm. That's not gonna fly, you know. And and something that I use in my class a lot is that we have to get out of um, you know, people for some reason don't necessarily understand what it costs to build these software systems. We forgot they stopped kinda of associating with real money. And I said sometimes we're taking a ten dollar problem and throwing a thousand dollars solution after it. That's not ROI. And um this is again back to using the A in analysis and us having more conversations like that um, and empowering. And, you know, I, I will say that I was encouraged in a couple of my last classes. We often do an exercise where we ask, um, you know, what do you see the business analyst role? And I, I'll be honest, for years, I never saw the word leadership pop, pop up there. And now people see us in a role as leading and we, in our, you know, um, part of the analysis, leading the team, um, not just being, you know, a passive kind of accepting requirements and gathering requirements, but being a leadership role. And I, and I always tell them, that always makes me so excited because it does require, you know, us as a facilitator, helping with decision-making, helping with prioritizing. You have to feel like you're empowered and you are 
a leader on that team, leading them to the right solution and the right MVP. So, um, yeah, I, I, I like hearing those, those words you know, Greg was talking about. Yeah, yeah I, and I, I couldn't agree more. And, I, you know, it was interesting listening to everybody talking about the Agile and and the issues with it. And um, I'm going to combine a couple things. I'm gonna, I want to address the Agile, but also what I see coming. Um, this past year, I've, I've been studying systems thinking, and uh, it's really a very, it's a really powerful um, way of looking at how people think, how the world works, and then breaking down our thinking. And I gave a talk earlier this week at a symposium at Cornell University about a better way of defining scope on IT projects by using systems thinking and taking our standard models, our context diagram, our functional decomposition, which is one of my favorites, and um, use cases and use case diagrams and applying systems thinking to that. And the, the thing that really ended up, the thing that really ended up uh, coming through was that it allowed us to, it allows us to combine all of these views into a single model and look at the system in a much more holistic way. And the whole reason we do that is to improve, as Coop was saying, improve our decision making, shorten those feedback loops so that we know what the system is doing in shorter and shorter iterations. Um, and that's, that's where it ties into Agile. So I think, I think all of these things are starting to come together in a way that is really going to improve our ability to deliver value to the business quickly and correctly. And that, uh, that to me, is really exciting. You are, you're, you're at, it is, it's, it's a very exciting uh, space right now, um, you know, really got a lot from the BBC conference, um, and 2017 is just going to be really exciting. I, I think there's a lot of areas where I see business analysis maturing, coming to its own, you know, it's, it's like things we've been saying for years, maybe finally right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. someone uh, has heard us and, and um you know, and, and I know I can tell you there's some exciting things, I think, for B2T as well. And, and that's what I want to use this next piece for. First of all, I want to take you to and thank, first of all, B2T from Technology Expresso for this year and being a partner and, and sponsoring and, and uh, just all that you have done to help me throughout my career. So I just want to take this time to, to thank B2T. No, that we thank you. I, I mean, to, to me, B2T is about um, getting this conglomeration of smart people to, to help organizations improve and be more awesome. And it's people like you, Greg and Pam and Kathy and Allie, you know, Heather and a bunch of others, right, over the years that have helped so many, so many organizations. And we just want to keep doing that and bring more people into the mix to, to have this just awesome group of people. Uh, absolutely, and and we've had and you, some of those people you mentioned have been guests on our show. So I, I look mm-hmm. forward to next year, 2017, uh, bringing some some more people on on the show. And also uh, speaking, uh, I think we have David, the other uh, my counterpart here on Technology Express. So David, are you there? 
Hello, I am here, Jacqueline and Coop. Thanks. Absolutely. So what would you like to say to us on our one-year anniversary? Uh, you've been with us a lot of steps, you know, every step of the way. So, uh, And I know you've chimed in with your PM perspective and that type of thing. So uh, any any words that you, you'd like to share with uh, our audience on probably our last episode of 2016? I don't, I don't know what the... Uh, we'll, we'll squeeze in another one, but uh, yeah, it might be tough with the holidays and and everybody taking a break, but we'll we'll give it a go though. We'll try to come up with a date. Absolutely, Dave. What, what would you like to say? Well, let me start off by uh, thanking uh, Coop for joining us this past year and B2T as a whole. Um, uh, we're really happy here at Technology Expresso to have partnered with you and provided the listening community a, an opportunity to hear from who I consider the experts in uh, business analysis. I know as a project manager, I've, I've, you know, I'm both, uh, I guess I have two roles here uh, as a partner and um, as part of the audience as well. As a project manager, uh, what I've learned and heard over the past year through these uh, podcasts has been invaluable to me as a project manager, um, needing and wanting uh, to be more engaged uh, with the requirement and with the uh, solutions uh, that are coming out of the uh, business analysis uh, community. Um, it's been invaluable. It's, I've, I've incorporated a lot of the language in my uh, language as a PM, um, and it's been. Uh, I think it's gone a long way in uh, providing a certain level of comfort with um, not only the developers uh, on the client side, but with the client themselves, um, ensuring that they know that I'm aware of all the iterative uh, activities that go on at the BA level. Um, um, and and that helps me provide a better deliverable from a project perspective. So it's been invaluable to me, and um, I look forward to um, uh, 2017, actually, and hopefully we can continue uh, supporting the BA community and the PM community as well. I think that's a two-way street. Uh, our um, our roles are uh, closely aligned in providing solutions to the uh, client base. So I just want to say thank yeah. you. Yeah, no, and thank you. And I think, you know, what you, you highlight is is the thing that Jacqueline and I brought up earlier and we, you know, about this being a team sport. And it's um, maybe there was a time that you can do your job in a silo. Um, I, I, I know a lot of people did, and there were the jokes about, you know, throwing the, the deliverables over the fence and all that stuff. But, you know, effective teams don't do that, right? It's everybody – kind of knows enough about the other parts. And Jacqueline, you just wrote a blog about, you know, going from dysfunctional to cross-functional and the T-shaped kind of uh, uh, skill set that you need to have, right? You need to be broad across the top of that T um, and then maybe go deep in one or two areas. But if you're not, you're not going to be effective if you don't know enough about the other roles and the team players that you work with, right? Uh, and just think about a baseball team, right? It's, you might be an outfielder, um, but you you know kind of what the first baseman's responsible for, right? And you need to know that uh, to to be effective. And so, David, you bring up the point, like how it's helped you learning more about business analysis has helped you be a better PM. Uh, I, I started off, well, I started off as an accountant and then a BA, but uh, 
I was a BA, thought I wanted to climb the company ladder and be a PM, uh, and then went back to BA. And I always say being a PM made me a better business analyst. Um, so I think you have to uh, you have to know enough about everybody else on the team to to make it a really great high performing team. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, to to our audience, I, I've really enjoyed this this show, this episode. Um, thank you for everyone who participated and even those who are listening on the line that didn't want to have a speaking part but are helping us celebrate our one-year anniversary. Um, I want to – we're going to have a word from our wonderful sponsor, which happens to be B2T Training. And then I want to turn it over to Coop to, for him to kind of wrap us up from his perspective and his reflections on, you know, our one-year anniversary and, and even – some of the things for 2017. Uh, so stay tuned for some some great nuggets from Coop. We'll be back just from after this word from our sponsor. This episode is sponsored by and features B2T Training. B2T Training has trained and equipped almost 15,000 of the most successful and high-performing practitioners of business analysis since the year 2000. Our courses are developed and taught by the most respected and highest qualified experts in the industry. So, your team has been doing Agile and seems to be doing well on the surface, but you've noticed some subtle cracks in the process. Team members are leaving the group, the team starts taking shortcuts, enthusiasm is low, or tension is surfacing more often. Does that sound familiar? Your team might be experiencing Agile burnout and sprint fatigue. B2T will help you address it and maybe even avoid it altogether. Call us today to find out about our Agile Analysis Boot Camp, which incorporates team building and bonding exercises that promote and reinforce Agile values and value management. This course also teaches cross-functional role-playing exercises and how to apply lean analysis techniques that help you avoid gaps in your user stories and acceptance criteria requirements. We offer this class to your team on-site or also as a public session for those who don't have a large group. Our next public Agile Analysis Boot Camp session will be taught by Jacqueline in Atlanta, March 13th through 15th. Don't miss her as she walks through how to use Agile to build the right thing with a customer-focused approach. Get your business analysis training from the most respected and highest qualified source of experts in the industry. Find out more about this public class offering or call to speak with one of our training solution sales associates toll-free at 866-675-2125. Follow us on social media and visit b2ttraining.com. That's B, the number 2, T, training.com to see our full course outlines, blog, and free downloadable resources. We get it. We'll help you get it, too. And we're back. So, Coop, the mic is all yeah. yours. Yeah, all right. Awesome. You know, so I think, um, you know, 2017 is going to be a fun and exciting year. I think we're, we just always enjoy um, helping other people get better at what they do. And this is kind of this analysis space, the agile space, the IT space, the IT transformation and helping teams get better are, is kind of where, where we sit and where we fall. Um, you know, and, you know, I just read some surveys that come back. We do evaluations for all the classes that we do. And I read evaluations from a number of classes that we did over the last couple of weeks. And it just, uh, you know, there's one question we asked, would you recommend this to your colleagues? Um, and that's the first question I always look at, um, to get the answer. And it's pretty much, I would say 99% of the time, the answer is yes. And 
uh, I just love seeing that. That means that we're adding value to organizations around um, around the world. So in 2017, I think some of the big big uh, pushes that we're going to do is in the agile space, and it's the it's around the practical application of agile and how do you get better and all the things we talked about today about helping other people make good decisions, um, how to critically think, how to um, focus on the right thing. So, so we have a number of offerings and we have a, a whole suite of how we can help organizations transform uh, um, their, their agile practice or their practice to be more agile. Um, and, you know, we, Jacqueline, you and I were talking to a client um, a few weeks ago and they're, they're trying to figure out what they're doing with their agile practice. And they said, you know, we talked to 40, we, no, we talked to 20 people and we got 42 different answers on how to implement agile, you know? So it is really difficult, but the approach we take and, and actually that, that answer is correct, right? I mean, yeah, you talk to 20 people, you're going to get, each person will have at least two ways how you can do it. And that's the approach that we take. We try to give enough knowledge right at first so that you know, Kind of what you're up against uh, so you know um, now there were a lot of unknowns and now you have a lot of knowns and you have options and things that you can do now with those options what's going to work well um, and the thing you talk about all the time Jacqueline is one of the key things we do first is a SWOT right um, SWOT analysis to see what are the good things that are going on today um, and if, if they're really that good then let's bring them over right I mean why don't throw it all out so um, so our approach is it's really practical and it's going to make sense. And I think it was Rick that talked about the culture earlier. Right. Um, and each agile implementation is different. And that that is true. And that's that's what we try to understand. What is the culture? What's going to work? What's not going to work and set up a framework where you can continually learn. Um, so that's really big. Um, the other thing um, that we've been working on is an apprentice program. I think uh, too often uh, in today's world, in today's business, um, there are, and we'll call them millennials, but there's there's young people uh, that are coming out of college with a lot of college debt, and there's people that want to get back into the business for whatever reason. Um, they, they haven't been in the business for a while, so they try to get back in, and they can't get opportunities because they don't have experience. Um, and we want to help those people out. And so with this apprentice program is um, they get training. They get a full-time mentor that they can have access to, um, and then we try to place them in organizations that um, want want to get new, fresh ideas, new talent, uh, new people in their organizations at a at an affordable price, um, but with some some kick-ass people behind them that have a lot of experience. So, uh, really excited about that, and you know, to me, that. Uh, Yes, it's it's going to help organizations, um, and it's going to help. Uh, it's like a win-win-win for everybody, and it's a real feel-good kind of service that I think um, socially and you know for for the world, it's going to help. I think uh, people shouldn't be sitting around with all this debt and no opportunity. So we want to give them those opportunities. Um, and then there's you know there's other things, um, kind of the next generation BA type stuff that that we're adding to the mix. You know, I did a presentation with Lori Silverman at the BBC on storytelling and how to implement storytelling in, in your office. So to me, that's a skill that I think more and more people need. So we're going to introduce some workshops. Um, there's other people that uh, we want to do more stuff around the design thinking space and uh, business model canvas. So we're, we're talking to more people 
around stuff like that and how to bring it to organizations and help them improve in any way um, that they need to. So fun stuff, man, real exciting. And again, our goal is to get, uh, you know, when I see that feedback that people are not only enjoying the class, but figuring out how to implement it, right? I mean, we have our Making Learning Stick program where we have these follow-up calls and Jacqueline, you talked about one of those. And when we hear on those that people are like, yeah, I heard, I got what you were saying in class and now here's what I'm doing with it. That is the huge win. And we're hearing that more and more. So that's what we're all about is to help people change their behavior on the ground and improve. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I'll just piggyback one thing to wrap up the 2016. One of the best feedbacks I got on one of our classes was a student cursed me. Yeah. <laughs> As in he, he said, I, I cursed you, but in a good way. And that after the, the training class, it opened his eyes way in, in a healthy way of doing agile. Um, and if you haven't heard that concept of a healthy agile team, then we need to have a conversation. And that makes me feel so good when I'm lowering people's blood pressure. Right, and, exactly, right. You're making... And I'm opening their eyes to the, to the point. But, no, he was saying it tongue-in-cheek, of course, but right. that, um, you know, that, opening their, their eyes that there's a healthy way to do agile. You're not having fun, then we need to talk. That's right. Awesome. Well, hey, this has been an incredible year, Jacqueline. Thank you, everybody, for that continue to listen to us. Uh, you know, this all started because we were having these great conversations, and it was just Jacqueline and I, and we wanted to to bring it out to, to the world. So hopefully you continue to enjoy it, um, and here's to another great year. Absolutely. And thank you from Technology Expressway. As always, remember to continue to listen, learn, leverage, and launch. We will see you on Ask the Analyst. Stay tuned um, and email us if you have a topic that you'd like to uh, have brought up on the show. That's technologyexpresso at gmail.com. Please like the show on the website so that you can be notified when the next episode is. Uh, as we mentioned, we might slip in another one before the end of the year. So uh, like the, the show and follow it so that you can get those announcements. That is all for this episode, our first anniversary. Thank you. And remember to listen, learn, leverage, and launch. You have been listening to Technology Expresso Radio. For a full list of our podcast series and upcoming shows, as well as our social media handles, visit our web portal at www.technologyexpresso.com. Here you can always listen live through our live studio. And we want to send a special thanks to our sponsors and thank you to our listeners. And remember, we encourage you to listen, learn, leverage, and launch. And as always, thanks for listening to Technology Expresso Radio.